Chronicles, the Oklahoma's Oklahoma State Football Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Andrew. Post-game podcast time, and Jacob, this uh, we could just rename this the Ollie Gordon Show at this point, uh, though we already watched the Ollie Gordon Show tonight. <laughs> well, Nick Martin wants to rename him OSU for Ollie State University. Ollie State so University. maybe we should. Maybe so. Um, but just for fun... Uh, because there are other things to talk about. We're going to save Ollie for the end. We're going to talk about all the other stuff first. Um, it was a, a wild night. Oklahoma State defeated Cincinnati 45-13. to It was uh, tied 7-7 for a while. They were up 10-7 to at half. And then Ollie just really officially went nuts in the second half and, uh, and put the game away. But we'll get to Ollie in a minute. That said, Jacob, where uh, where in the, uh, the 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 entire realm of non Ollie conversations would you like to start? I, I wow, I you caught me off guard. No, um, I I think we've got to start with Leon Johnson, right? Uh, that's a, that's a great place to start. Uh, Leon Johnson the uh, third. You know, two weeks ago they were dead set on on redshirting this dude. They had no intentions of playing him. Had plenty of guys ahead of him, nothing to worry about. Uh, even with the injury to, to Dejon Stribling, they were fine. But all of a sudden, Talon Shetron goes down, Blaine Green goes down, Jaden Bray goes down, and now Leon Johnson goes from uh, being redshirted to starting in the span of, uh, of, of a couple of weeks and played a phenomenal game in his first start as a Cowboy. You know what surprised me about Leon Johnson? What's that? Besides the fact that he's really good. Yeah. He only had five catches. Really impressive. And 150... 149. 149. I thought he had more than five catches. It seemed like he was getting getting uh, a lot of action. That's he what was, surprised me. I looked down and I thought, wow, he only had five catches. He was, uh, he was targeted quite a few times, and, and they uh, couldn't connect on a few of them. That, that one deep ball that was uh, just out of his reach could have been another big one. Uh, and one that, uh, that looked like it kind of hit, uh, hit him in the chest, and he couldn't pull it in there on a, a third down in, yeah. the, uh, in the second half. But that's, uh, that's really nitpicking the performance that, that this guy had. A couple of, uh, couple of long throws that he you know, kind of had to adjust to the ball a little bit, make some plays. Really impressive. You know, he's 6'5", 217, coming from Division Three, George Fox University up in Oregon. You know, athletically, he can just show up on the field and be more talented than pretty much any defensive back that is going to try to cover him at D3. You get to the Big 12, it's a different ball game. His athletic ability still stands out. But he's not the polished receiver that you you really need to be at, at this level. Casey Dunn would love to have another year to work with him, get him polished, and and get him uh, in a situation to be a real impact player for this offense next year. But I don't know if they can if they can pull that off. Now he's a, he's, he's hit his four game limit. One more snap this year, and that's it. That. It's it's really unfortunate because I think of what Casey Dunn does with receivers. Right. And the valid question is here is 
how in the world did OSU find <laughs> a guy in a place called George Fox? Yeah. Which, I don't know who George Fox is. I need to look this up. You need to. I, I, I don't know the answers. I've never heard of this school. Didn't know it existed. You go and find a 6'5 receiver who's really talented because Casey Dunn is still arguably the best wide receivers coach in the country. Oh, yeah. And when he sees talent that he knows he can develop, just give him that time. I'm really curious to see what can happen. And so I'm not saying you just shut him down and risk it with that position, but I can see the hard struggle that the the the, the, the struggle that Casey's having in his mind right now is what do we do with this kid? Because next year when they're not they, – Brandon Presley may not be there. Mm-hmm. Rashad Owens may not be there. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with the portal. Things like that. Like, yeah. You need a guy like Neil Johnson. So um, I'm really curious to see what happens in this next week. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. You know, he's obviously got size that they, that they don't have anywhere else on the roster. Uh, he can be a guy that, that does some things differently than what they're capable of doing right now. And it's all a matter of, of how things go with getting a one or, or maybe even two of these guys healthy again. Because they, they obviously, there's a uh, there's a drop-off after, after Leon Johnson at this point. They did not have a lot of receivers suited up tonight at all. You know, Kale Cabanis was suited up for the first time all season. Got in at, uh, when they went to four wide, he was the guy going out there at the other slot receiver position. So it was a, uh, it's a, it's a really scary situation what they're dealing with health-wise at the, at the receiver position right now. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how this, uh, how this transpires, what happens next, who's able to play next week in Bedlam, all those things. So, and I give props to Alan Bowman for this. Bowman was not afraid to throw the ball to Leon Johnson. No, not at all. And he trusted him. You can tell he trusted Leon to go and catch the football. And that to me was also telling how good this kid is because it's easy for a quarterback, especially a veteran like Al Bowman, to know, hey, that guy isn't quite ready. Right. So I don't need to look his way too much here. But Al didn't hesitate. No. No, he didn't. It was uh, – pretty impressive and and you know this uh, this offense they're doing a lot of things they're installing a lot of stuff throughout the course of uh, of the week right now probably I think I think more than they've done uh, really over most of Casey Dunn's tenure in terms of uh, him as the offensive coordinator and you know he didn't see you I, I don't know that Leon Johnson really ever left the field except for uh, maybe a couple of snaps and never really seemed to be lost or out of place or any of those kind of things. So, really solid. Um, let's uh, let's go to something that is uh, that is Ollie Gordon adjacent because I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Brennan Presley and uh, and some of the other things that they did offensively that were uh, that were sort of off of Ollie Gordon. You know, they had a, a touchdown pass off a play action. They had another long throw that was uh, a flea flicker. It was obviously.
obvious that Cincinnati was very keyed in on on Ollie and what he was doing. They were able to do some things, and uh, they had then the uh, the touchdown run is what I was trying to get around to. The touchdown run by Brendan Presley, where I was completely fooled, and I assume probably some Cincinnati defenders were too. Uh, they they hand it to uh, to Brennan coming across on uh, on the, the you know the speed option the speed draw. Uh, not it's not a draw. What am I thinking? What am I draw? What, what's the sweep or the sweep? Yeah, jet sweep. Jet sweep. Jet sweep. There you go. What did Casey call it? Fly sweep. sweep. Fly, Fly sweep. That's, that's what, what it was. was. Yep, that's what I was looking for. Yes. Um, and so they handed off to Brennan there and and faked the pitch out to Ollie going the opposite direction. And uh, I was completely convinced that Ollie had the ball and he did not. Brennan uh, makes the cut up and, and gets into the end zone with a little shove from uh, from uh, Braden Cassidy. Uh, you know, and uh, that was uh, two touchdowns for, for Brennan on the night. Didn't have crazy yardage tonight. I think it was three catches for 36 or 39 yards. 11 yards rushing. 11 rushing. Uh, had but, four return yards, he didn't have anything else. Yeah, he did. Had a, had a solid night in the return game. Uh, he, but he did score the two touchdowns that came up really big in uh, in those moments. Casey Dunn talked after the game about how fun it is right now to uh, to kind of you know to, to to draw things up or to uh, you know to go. Uh, he said he referred to them, them themselves as Raiders. He said uh, you know basically like Gundy referenced uh, a couple of weeks ago, going out and just stealing stuff off of what you see other people doing. Uh, and he, he talked about some of that and. And the different things they're doing to uh, to kind of add some depth to the playbook, and it's it's also while it's fun for them, it's also making this offense a lot of fun to watch because they're doing a lot of things that we haven't seen before. Yeah, I mean they're still throwing flea flickers. Yeah, doing some different kinds of draws. They said moving Presley around. He didn't really go in a lot of motion around the moment today. Didn't see a lot of the, the, the loop motion. Today. No, but uh, I have another question about Presley, too. Yeah. I, I think we should give half that touchdown to Brady Cassidy. Give him, like, three points? Yeah, like, right. maybe, like, one and a half touchdowns for Brennan and a half touchdown for Brady. I'm, I'm fine with because that. Because Brennan was not going to the end zone until Brady pushed him. Yeah. Give him a little brotherly shove. And so, yeah, I think I think that's a half a touchdown for, for Brady Cassidy. I'm fine with that. I got no problem with that at all. Uh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to run that by uh, Brennan and see how he feels about that. Well, you know but, what? No, we don't. Let's just we don't make the call here on the podcast. Okay. Right. It's, it's official. It's official. Call yeah. the NCAA. Yeah, we're doing it. I'll get her on the phone with him. All right. Good deal. All right. I like that. Um, anything else on on the offense uh, that is uh, that is not Ollie Gordon? No, I think we've covered. It. Yeah, I think that's pretty good because uh, the offensive line will wrap him with Ollie Gordon. Yes, exactly. Defensively. They, there were times when things felt shaky. They did have the one big play that they got burned on. <laughs> Excuse me. And that's, but they didn't, didn't give up a point because since I missed the field goal. Oh, yeah, they, well, no, well, no, that's, no, that's yeah. a long run. I'm thinking right, 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 right. Yeah. No, they had, they, yeah, they had that. They had the, those, those issues. They had the touchdown. Um, so, you know, eight. Eight touchdowns in the last three games that have been over 30 yards. That's uh, that's obviously still a, a concerning issue, but they were able to control the, uh, the the long play situation later 
really shut Cincinnati down pretty well. Um, kind of uh, really, really the, going into the second, some of the second quarter, and then definitely the third quarter, and then uh, a little bit of the fourth until until they went to backups and, uh, and Cincinnati was able to move the ball some. But um, really impressed with the way they've been able to adjust. I know you talked to Brian Nardo about this. Uh, the way they've been able to uh, to make adjustments and make changes and corrections on the fly in this new defense, I, I'm, 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 I've been fascinated by that. Jake. Yeah, one thing they had eight straight stops, I eight straight really possessions, and nine if you want to include one at halftime. But right. I mean, don't really want to count that. But so they got two plays. Right. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, they got going. That's, that's the weird thing about this defense. You feel like they get gashed, but then you look at it, and it's like. They're really stopping teams at the same time. Yeah. The numbers aren't always pretty. They are. But the adjustment part, yeah, talking to him, and he starts on, he said, you know, he said, I don't, he said, I don't want to sound like we made this giant adjustment. He said, we didn't, we couldn't simulate the speed of their zone, their outside zone runs mm-hmm. in practice. And we tried, he's like, we tried, and we couldn't get it accurate. And once our players adjusted to the speed of everything, we were fine. I thought that was fascinating. But the other adjustments you talked about, like, he said, you know, we we can tell players, hey, Kansas State did this, so this is how we defend it. And they say, oh, okay, and they go out and do it. Yeah. And it's like they're retaining this stuff. He talked about, and I didn't get to put this in my journal, but he talked about the options. I, You know, someone asked about the option plays mm-hmm. that Cincinnati ran. They didn't run a bunch of them. They ran some, and he said, "You know, we weren't sure if they would do it because they did it eight times against BYU and haven't really done it since." Hmm. And they said we still repped it, prepared just in case, so we're prepared. And then they also did, had to worry about the option against Kansas. Mm-hmm. Great. So they're prepared in that way. He said, and I went and looked back. BYU was on September 29th. <laughs> they looked that far back and prepared, and yeah. so they're doing these things to do these adjustments and. They get these minor adjustments in the half, then half to they go make bigger, better adjustments, and it's working. And I, I think it's kind of, it's a Nardo thing, but also I think Joe Bob Clements and Duffy and guys like that, because this is kind of a carryover from a few years ago. We yeah. saw this in the 21 season with Jim Knowles' defense. Yes. That the first couple possessions, they might bend a little bit, and then you get nothing. Right. And last year we saw with Derek Mason. Mm-hmm. That the first half was kind of tough at times. The second half, they're usually pretty good. Yes, part late in season injuries caught up like everywhere else, and now we're seeing it again. And I think it's such kind of a trademark with the coaching staff and some turnover. I think that these guys can adjust and, and make things work somehow on defense, even if it doesn't look pretty. Yeah, it's really impressive. The way that uh, that they have been able to adjust, and, and especially this year being in the new scheme, and not you know they're still seeing things that they haven't seen in in game settings before, and to be able to, to handle it and, and adjust the way that they have uh, is is pretty impressive. So, and, and I talked to like yeah, I said to Goodlow about it. He's been in the system for mm-hmm. six years now, right? Because you know they have the same system in Tulsa and or similar system, here. right? Yeah. And he's even impressed how well the other pe- other players are adapting to this so quickly. Um, it's not perfect; it's far from perfect. Right. Um, but I, I I said this today. Someone I really like the direction the defense is heading. 
even if it doesn't show it in the numbers. Because every time I pull up Big 12 stats, they're like 13 on defense. And, yeah. and it just blows my mind. I'm like, Steven, <laughs> is it that bad? Right. Is it the worst defense in the Big 12? So I don't, you know, I just think the numbers are a little misleading with this defense. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. They are, uh, they're making enough plays to put themselves in good situations. We saw them get a couple more turnovers. They're really good on third down, which uh, is, has been shaky at times this year. Uh, so, they're, I think the, uh, the the turnovers, and you, you had some numbers on the turnovers, and I don't remember exactly. Ten in the four games. Ten in the last four games. That's pretty solid. That's uh, that's really big. So, they can keep keep doing stuff like that. That's, uh, that's going to really pay major dividends down the road. Obviously, we know their uh, their neck for getting to the quarterback when they need to and things like that. So gives defense a chance to be really good. They can keep causing that kind of chaos and start to uh, to or continue after I guess tonight to, to limit the big plays because uh, because that seems to be their uh, their 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 kryptonite is is the big plays. So I think so that's that young secondary. I, I think I, I definitely think there's a lot of that guys that, that are uh, you know not in the exact right spot or don't have the uh, the, the perfect read on something and and end up a, a step too far to the right or, uh, or not quite deep enough or whatever it might be. So I would agree with that. All right, anything else defense before we move to the uh, the main event of Ollie Gordon? No, it's time for the Ollie G show. All right, let's do it. Um, Okay, well, we, we, there were a lot of crazy stats about about this night. I'll just go ahead and throw out the numbers. 292 yards from scrimmage. Uh, that was 271 rushing and, uh, and 21 receiving. But what, uh, which, which crazy stats sticks out to you the most, whether it's, uh, you know, one of the, the ones that's uh, compared him to other people that have done what he's done or uh, just his overall numbers, any of it? And I think what blew, blew my mind when I was doing some numbers is he's rushed for just under a thousand yards in the last five weeks. Yeah. It's remarkable. It's pretty crazy. And it's all Big 12 games. But he's done against good run defenses. He did against Iowa State, mm-hmm. Kansas State, now Cincinnati. Like really good run defenses. Yeah. He's doing this. That kind of blew my mind because you think of the numbers like, okay, 150, 117, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. 200. You don't think it adds up. And you start doing the math, and it's like, this guy's put almost 1,000 yards together in five weeks. Yeah. That's remarkable. It is. And then you uh, you add in his receiving yards, yeah. and it's over 1,100. I think like it was like it was like 1,138. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. And, and, and every week he does – Something better than he did the week before. It's just, it's just it's mind blowing. Um, I think the the thing that the the one that stood out to me was that he and Barry Sanders now are alone on the uh, OSU all time list for back to back games of 250 rushing yards or more, and. Anytime you're on a rushing list with Barry Sanders and you, and that's it, that's yeah. the end of the list, 
That's ridiculous. There goes Thurman Thomas. Yeah, Thurman Thomas didn't do it. You know, Terry Miller didn't do it. None of them. So Chuba Hubbard. That's right. Who had a remarkable season in 2019. Yes. That's just that. Ollie is, and I know Mike Mike Gundy said he has not arrived yet. (laughs) I think that's wrong. I think Ollie Gordon has arrived. And OSU now has a, you know, we call people stars for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. And they have a superstar yeah. on their hands. Yeah. Um, because not only does Ollie put up huge numbers, it's got a personality that will light up a ring. Absolutely. And it's really fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, for for the first time uh, all season, I, I wrote, the words Heisman Trophy in a story Uh-oh, tonight. There we go. Now, I just I just said that, that this should get him on the fringe of the Heisman conversation. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a ton of great quarterbacks uh, out there this year, and good quarterbacks on on great teams. So, the odds of him actually making a run at the Heisman, you know, basically Oklahoma State's going to have to run the table from here, essentially, and. And, and beat some really good teams, but um, but I think I, I think that he needs to be one of those guys that after they list you know the top four quarterbacks that uh, that you gotta you gotta start looking at this guy as 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 one of those fringe guys and you know he's he's close to to going ahead and just running away with the Doug Walker. Oh yeah, I mean, he might log up the national award for the like the weekly award for the third straight week this week. Could be, could be number three for him on that. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. The and he's not even twenty years old yet. That that that's it's it's so hard to understand to like to comprehend that because like physically physically he felt twenty two last year. Yeah. When you look at him, you stand next to him, uh, and and obviously, you know, we we've talked about some of the areas where he's maturing, and there was another important one tonight uh, where he, you know, he fumbles and comes off the field and is is visibly displeased with himself, uh, you know, tosses his helmet, and uh, and I don't even break his helmet, slam on the ground. Like yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, Gundy goes and, and, and talks to him, and uh, you know, based on the way Gundy shared the story, at least it was a a positive reaction, and Ollie seemed to be uh, of, of the same the same thought afterwards, talking about how he can't uh, you know let his emotions take over like that and those sorts of things. So we're we're seeing this guy really grow up right in front of our eyes, and we we watched him blossom into a superstar right in front of our eyes as well, and it's uh, been it's been pretty crazy. And the crazy thing that I too was, I didn't think he was going back at the game 196 yards. Right. It looked like he yeah. was done. Yeah, they pulled him out in the middle of a series. Yeah. On a first down. Yeah, it felt like they were, they were kind of getting him his, his attention. And, uh, yeah, so I didn't think we were going to see him again. Alan Bowman seemed to feel like that was the case, too. And then, uh, and then obviously they decided to get him out there for uh, for one more run. Yeah, I thought, hey, let's get the 
four or five yards, get the 200 yards, go down the road. No, he went 75. Yeah. Just outright everybody. Touchdown. Really got his 200 yards. Yes. Just, I just, this kid, like, I, like, how do you describe him now? Like, it was funny, he had flowers in postgame. <laughs> I don't walk the oh, that was a lot flowers. of flowers. It was a giant bouquet of flowers. Yeah. More than a dozen. Like, I oh, don't yeah. even know you can buy, like, more than a dozen, uh, like, at a time. Yeah, like, he got it from his mom and aunt, who raised him basically together. Um, and they had them delivered to him. And, like, it was funny. Nick Martin was like, you got flowers? <laughs> and uh, I think someone asked Nick how many tackles he needed to have to be able to get flowers himself. And he said, I don't know. He said, but uh, apparently you got to be Ollie Gordon to get flowers. So, <laughs> Uh, it was just, it was just, it was almost like it felt like the coronation of here is, here is the superstar, mm-hmm. here's his flowers, here's right. everything about this kid that you know, like that, that makes him great. And this is the flowers to celebrate it, and here we go. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned we, we need to uh, we need to give the offensive line some credit. Yes. Ollie went out of his way to make sure he gave the offensive line some credit. He said he should give the flowers to them, like handing out the flowers. <laughs> and all I can picture is I've never watched The Bachelor, but that's all I can picture was handing out like yeah, a rose. Right. I think yeah, everybody, right? everybody gets everybody so, gets a rose. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny an image in my head. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it was accurate because I've actually never watched The But Ollie is, um, or excuse me, the offensive line is is. Still holding up. They're, they've dealt with some injuries. Um, you know, Jason Brooks didn't play. Cole Birmingham held his own. I, I, I felt like at, at left guard they were able to run inside between between the tackles better than I than I thought they ever possibly could against this defense with Dante Corleone in particular right there in the middle. They didn't shy away from going to the middle, which is which is where a lot of their stuff works best. Um, we, we've seen that established over the last few weeks, um, but this offensive line—I just—I don't—I don't even—I don't even know how to describe the level of improvement that they've shown. I mean, and it's not just that they had three bad games to start the year. Like this is basically pretty much the same offensive line uh, from all of last year. So we really had like a 16-game run. Of these guys being mediocre to bad, yeah, and now all of a sudden we've got a, a a guy who's running for enough yards that he's getting on lists with Barry Sanders, and 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 I'm throwing around Heisman Trophy with his name, so it's like I can't I can't even wrap my head around the the level that they've taken this to. It's it's impressive, and I think nobody's bringing up Charlie Dickey's name around this stuff, right? But this guy had to be miserable in the offseason. Oh, yeah. Like, he had to feel like he couldn't go out in public the way things were on, the heat was on him right. from outside of the program. And now all of a sudden, he's got a line that is blocking for the guy that might win the door. Yeah. Like, and it's, like I said, same guy as Dalton Cooper. Right. Yeah. And that's impressive. Mm-hmm. I know they changed their schemes up and did a lot of things. And once they figured out how it works and got it going, man, it is impressive. Yeah. Really is. 
All right. Anything else about Ollie, or should we uh, should we jump to the most important thing I forgot? I think we jump to the most important thing we forgot. We got a podcast on Monday. We can talk about Ollie some more. Exactly. And Bedlam. Football. And Bedlam, which uh, really I really is probably the most important thing you forgot. But it we'll, really we'll is. Save that but for Monday. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back at Stone Cloud. You'll be back at Stone Cloud. I will be back. Yes. Nothing uh, nothing nothing against our good friend Joe Masato, who did a fantastic job filling in for you last yes, week. Yes, we appreciate Joe. Absolutely. Um, but you'll be back at Stone Cloud and, uh, and enjoying some beer with me, and we'll have a great time. Talk a lot about Bedlam, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm always always curious about Gundy's pre-Bedlam press conference, so we'll get to share what uh, what that was like, uh, because it's always always unique, and uh, check in on all of those things. Uh, but with that, the, uh, the most important thing that I forgot, Jacob? Uh... I, I rambled all that time, so you would have time yeah, to think of something I, I, I forgot. You, I, okay, you. I, right. I don't want to go negative. Okay. My initial thought was Alex Helm is two field goals, but... It is, uh, this is a little concerning, but it was also very wet. Very bad day. Uh, how about going to get his 99th Big 12 win if we went third into the... That is, the uh, that is pretty solid. Pass Number 100 could be Bedlam. Yeah. How wild would that be? Yeah. Um, pass Mac Brown tonight. Is that... Am I yes, remembering correctly? Correct. Mac Brown is number was number three. He's now number four. Bob Stoops is number one, and Bill Snyder is number two. They're both well over 100 wins in Big 12 play. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Gundy, his longevity, his success is another milestone uh, that I thought was really that was a really cool one. I thought. Too. Yeah, that is fun stuff. You know, we just had his 400 game the other day. Now 99 wins in Big 12 play. So uh, moving right along. So. All right. With that, we'll, uh, I'm sure there's other things I forgot. It's actually 3.08 a.m. as we're wrapping this up. So uh, I apologize for other things that I forgot, but we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and shut it down and, uh, and get to all those other interesting things on Monday at Stone Cloud. So thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles.